You heard Governor Walls and the announcement earlier today on our station at noon. In fact, if you want to go back and listen to it, you can. Radio.com, the Rewind feature. We're going to talk about it now with uh, Pat Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune editorial board, reading from the Trib itself. All Minnesota middle and high schools can opt to bring students back for hybrid or in-person learning as soon as February 22nd. The governor said he expects all schools to offer some some form of in-person learning by March 8th, a movie characterized as critical for students' and families' well-being, mental health, and the economic stability in the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. John, give me your overall thoughts on what the governor announced today. That the experts say that this is essential and the parental experts, those who are at home, really realize that having their kids in some form of in-person learning is greatly beneficial to them. And while it's completely understandable why it has been nearly a year since many students have been inside of a classroom, that Governor Walz is reflecting the consensus that's emerging among educators, certainly among politicians, and as mentioned, among parents. And so hopefully this will accelerate that return to the classroom. And then the issue is going to be how many days students will be back. Some will start only one day a week. Some will be two days a week. And my sense is as more people get vaccinated and if this is considered a success by the end of the school year, they'll endeavor to have far more kids for several days a week back in school. Pat, the schools knew this always was a possibility to some level, Mm -hmm. and and they've had to uh, work on plans throughout. Some middle schools and high schools have been in and out of this. How soon do you think that, I don't know, the majority of schools can offer this up? Is, Is this Monday realistic? Um, I think it certainly is realistic for some schools. Um, there are other schools, frankly, that have more challenges um, where, you know, we're talking about an older um, teacher population or a more urban, um, you know, less modern uh, facility that may lack the proper ventilation. Um, there, it's not, this is not really a one size fits all. I, I think it's um, right to have a variety of um uh, of solutions for this sort of thing. Uh, you know, some will be able to return right away and, you know, some will have to go back in stages for some, it'll be, um, it'll be more toward the end of this process. John, part of, part of the contrast, because the governor did point out what are facts like the initial part of the vaccine rollout in the state wasn't good. The adjustments have worked out much better and the data reflects that the positivity rate in the state is as low as it's been since summer. He talked optimistically, optimistically about the vaccines for almost all teachers in the next couple of weeks. But Mike Ostrom is a regular on this show, and Mike has been staying for weeks now with me, that he believes the next three months, because of the U.K. variant, may be the darkest time that we're going to face. And I know Mike Ostrom consults with Governor Walls a lot, so that contrast to some of the positive news is a part of this conversation. Indeed it is. And Dr. Osterholm is, of course, a widely respected expert worldwide. And 
he may be right. If that is the case, not only, of course, will that be a tragedy, but adjustments can and will be made, and there won't be anyone in the state of Minnesota who hasn't experienced this or doesn't expect that the dial could be turned in a different direction. But at least right now, all of the right numbers are going down, and the one number you want going up, which are the, num the numbers of people vaccinated and the rate of vaccination is going upwards in the right direction. And there are, of course, many health challenges that are out there. COVID certainly is the most prominent one, but some of the aforementioned mental health issues that have afflicted so many students in so many different corners of the country is something that has to be taken into account as well. So we'll have to see the direction it goes. Certainly everyone, including Dr. Osterholm, hopes that what he fears doesn't come to pass, but if it does, we're going to have to adjust real quickly. Pat, you pay such close attention to the Capitol. Mm. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka has been really outspoken, mm -hmm. uh, critical of the governor and schools. The minor Minority Leader Kirk out the same. I'm assuming the Republicans will come out today and say, we agree, but this should have happened sooner. How, how do you think it's going to play? I'm, I'm sorry. You mean they they both agree with each other, or I don't know that they no that they they agree that this finally happened, but they're going to say, well, this should have happened months and months ago because that's what they've been saying. Well, I mean, you know, hindsight is always perfect, right? Um, you know, it's it's very easy to say that um, you know in in retrospect this or this should have happened. The course is already laid out. The thing is to make the decisions in the moment. Um, I don't know that this was any better or worse. I mean, I've seen some um, uh, comparisons with Wisconsin that ultimately didn't we didn't wind up in a very uh, different place. But it's really hard to know that at the outset. Let's pause right here. Come back. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, security issue related to the uh, Chauvin trial and the split we have, including within the Democratic Party, but also uh, Democrats and Republicans on how that's going to play out, and also some of the fallout from uh, impeachment. Patricia Lopez and John Rash with us from the Star Tribune. We uh, certainly have plenty of news regarding the upcoming Chauvin trial and the trial for the other four officers. The New York Times leak, uh, one officer, a part of the Tutau yesterday, saying because of that leak, uh, they are calling for dismissal, and they're calling for an investigation to Ellison's staff on it. Officer King joining that. We have another attempt with the Court of Appeals regarding the third-degree murder charge. And we have the trial looming for Chauvin, the other officers in the summer, but for Chauvin on March 8th, and we still have this security disparity and an agreement between the Senate in the House and signed by the governor. Jacob Fry talked about this for a while with Chief Arredondo today. Pat, where are we headed for this? Uh, seemingly everybody says that, yes, the money will get there, but the view of the Republicans compared to Democrats is different. Some of the, the Democrats have spoken out, and they look and say, why are we giving this type of money to the police when we think there should be a, more of a follow-up for their behavior last summer? Will this all get done before the Chauvin trial, or will this money get approved afterwards when we get a final bill? 
Well, one would hope it would be before because that's what provides the certainty that's necessary to do the right kind of planning. Um, there are things that you plan for when you have enough money and things you, you know, changes that you make when you don't have enough money. Um, they should not be put in that situation. Um, this is um, a dispute that really, uh, from the from the Senate side, it's a little bit uh, baffling. Um, they seem to want to punish Minneapolis, but in a sense, who they're really punishing are the um, metro departments that are going to offer mutual aid. They're going to have to do it anyway, right? They're not just going to leave them hanging. Um, and, and so they will need to provide some. The National Guard can't do it all because the National Guard doesn't have law enforcement capability. They can't arrest people. They can't um, you know, restrain people. Um, so they're, they're a backup force at best. Um, you, you can't, you simply can't leave um, a city to its own um, devices, I think. Uh, whether or not you want to pay the bills doesn't really, doesn't really seem to um, enter into it. All good points that Pat offered up, John. And, and listen, there still are Republicans who are upset with what's going on with the Minneapolis City Council, upset with Jacob Fry. And Governor Walls, you can hear that. It's also worth noting that there's a split within the Democrats itself. If Melissa Hortman right. has all the votes, John, uh, for Democrats, this bill would have passed the other day. She doesn't have all the Democrats in line. Mm-hmm. You're quite right. And I think that adding to the list of people who Patricia correctly identifies as perhaps wanting to punish, the ultimate punishment comes to the state of Minnesota if there is disorder that once again, makes the state an international focus. That, of course, hurts the city of Minneapolis more than anywhere, but the city of Minneapolis and the urban core are still the economic engines that drive the entire state. It does not help greater Minnesota if there's chaos on the streets of its central city. And so this is the type of issue where legislators from every corner of the state ideally should be able to come together, figure out a way, compromise, which is what the legislative process is all about, and be able to ensure to the public and send a signal to those who perhaps, you know, are eyeing this trial as another opportunity for disruption, that there is going to be a robust police presence, that there is unity among Minnesotans, that we have a criminal justice system, this unfortunate tragedy is now in that part of the process and we're going to have law and order on the streets of Minneapolis and boy that should be something that the entire legislature should be able to rally around. Yeah um, you know I, I want to point out that it's not just the um, the Republicans as John pointed out there are Democrats that are opposed to this too but for very different reasons. They don't think there's enough accountability um, in the funds. Yep. They want to use this as an opportunity um, to create more accountability. And for some of them, it falls short. Some of them don't agree with giving more money for officers at all. Um, again, this is not a question of, um, you know, do we do too much or do we do too little? They have to do enough, right? They have to do enough to secure um, lives and property and, uh, from damage. And um, that's, you know, that's the most meaningful part of this. I got about 45 seconds for each one of you. Uh, Pat, I'll start with you. Where are we headed with Donald Trump versus Mitch McConnell? 
Well, I, you know, I fervently hope that he is on the road to oblivion. I don't think he does the party the party any favors. Um, you know, McConnell is, um, you know, has his own controversies that follow him. Uh, but uh, Trump is is just so incredibly divisive that. I think there are a lot of Republicans, uh, legislators who are breathing a sigh of relief that he's finally gone. John, how about you? The uh, the president, the former president, ripped him in a statement yesterday on Fox News Today talking about the past and Rush Limbaugh continued it. Uh, how prominent will this be? Very prominent. And you have a decisive, divisive split where the party base is with the former president and the party's legislators are mostly with the Senate minority leader. Most of the action within the next year or so will be legislatively based, will be in Washington within the Beltway. But after that, we head into an election year, and that's probably when Mr. Trump will reassert himself on the national scene. Excellent stuff, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Patricia Lopez and John Rash, Plain Politics from the uh, Star Tribune editorial board.